Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the RC Industry Podcast, episode 15. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, the Brighton Fringe. We've got Julian Caddy, who is the Managing Director at the Brighton Fringe. He has worked there for nearly four years. He's also run venues in Edinburgh, uh, had a little bit of a performance past as an actor. We talked about uh, what are the main advantages of doing the Brighton Fringe, specifically for performers who are debuting shows. Uh, the free model, does it work in Brighton if it's useful in Brighton or if it's better to go with a paid option? We also talked about whether it's worth getting a PR person involved in uh, a festival that's a little bit smaller than Edinburgh. And we got into quite detailed discussions about the future of the Brighton Fringe, uh, the current state of how to get word of mouth and traffic and audiences, uh, and also what he would like to see more of in terms of creativity in marketing and publicity for different shows. Really quickly, if you're in Brighton or live anywhere near Brighton and can come down, I'm doing a show. It is called Buddhism and Cats. It is on at the Carolina Brunswick. It's on the 5th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 24th, 25th, 26th and 27th of the month. It's completely free and it starts at 745 if you are coming down, do come say hi and say you heard about it through the podcast. I'd love to know uh, if anyone comes down or if it's uh, useful for me to publicize my shows like this. So uh, please do let me know. If you can't uh, support me or the show in that way, uh, feel free to share the link with a friend who is doing the Brighton Fringe or with someone who is thinking about doing the Brighton Fringe. We covered a lot of stuff about the future of it and, and where it's going. So I think it's going to be evergreen for a little while longer anyway. Uh, or if you want to support the show in a more financial way, we have a PayPal button on the website, which uh, you can find at simoncane.co.uk forward slash podcast. Any donation you can give would be really helpful. You know, 5, 10, 20 quid, whatever you think these are worth. If uh, you only are listening to one podcast, you know, put a monetary value on what you thought it was worth and send me that. That's perfectly acceptable. If you're listening to all of these and you're 15 episodes in and you want to attribute, you know, one, two, three quid a podcast times 15 by three, 45 quid, send it my way. That'd be lovely. That'd be really helpful. Any, but genuinely, any and all donations are amazing and helpful. 
and keep the show going. If you want to follow along, uh, the show notes can be found at simonkane.co.uk forward slash ask the industry podcast. The show notes, I should explain what they are because some people are saying that they've only just found out about them and uh, they're phenomenally useful for them, but they just wish they'd known about them earlier. The show notes are essentially me writing out every question that was asked with a timestamp so you can jump back and forth to have a look at just that question or that section of questions. Any mentions that the guest has for anything involved in that answer are linked there. So if there's a comedian mentioned, if there's a show mentioned, if there's a venue mentioned or anything of that sort, it's all there. So um, they take me a long time. So if you actually want to use them and you find them helpful or you haven't used them before and you think, oh, that sounds like it might be quite useful to browse, Simon Kane, S-I-M-O-N-C-A-I-N-E.co.uk forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. You can also find a link to it in the show description on your on your pod player of choice. Without any more delays, this is Julian Caddy. Well, the advantages for performers would be that Brighton Fringe is a good deal cheaper than Edinburgh. Um, increasingly over the years, Edinburgh has become um, a place where people um, expect to lose or at least spend uh, an enormous um, a life-changing sum of money um, to do a three-week run at Edinburgh Fringe. Um, the costs are multiple, um, and the the venues charge a lot because it costs them a lot. I've been a venue manager in Edinburgh for for a long time, so I know the reasons why. Brighton is different in that you don't tend to perform as long. Um, instead of three weeks. It may be three days. Um, it may be. It, it tends to be between one and five or six days that people mostly perform at Brighton Fringe. That's not to say it's not increasing, um, and I'm sure cost pressures and uh, industry pressures may indicate that people will have to do longer runs in Brighton too soon. But at the moment, anyway, Brighton is a. It's a. It's very close to London. Um, you don't have to spend the night here to perform here, so accommodation is cheaper. Um, anyway, but uh, you'd be staying in your own place if you're if you're London-based. Um, you don't have to perform as long um, for as for as long a run. Um, there are a lot of the same and indeed different um, reviewers coming down to Brighton too. So, if you're coming to do a show at, at Brighton Fringe, you, you'll see some quite familiar um, Fringe reviewers um, who are who are here anyway. People like Broadway Baby. Fringe Review, um, Fringe Guru, um, the, the, uh, the likes of Chortle, and uh, most of the online um, fringe media are covering Brighton. So regardless if you wanted to go to Edinburgh or not, for, so for people going to Edinburgh, it's great to have your review for your current show uh, to put on your flyers um, for Edinburgh. But equally, if you're not... You know, you, you 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 haven't got money to do two fringes in one year, um, but you're wanting to get your name out there in terms of um, you know good good independent reviews. You've got your reviews um, without so much hassle um, that that may come with it. From an arts industry perspective, we've been spending a lot of time building um, connections with other festivals um, and other venues, theatre, comedy, music, and so on. Um, and we have an arts industry showcase in the first week called Window, which, again, it's not like Edinburgh. Um, We have our own 
um, selection procedure for certain shows. This is actually only 10, but if you are doing your show in the first week, then you're likely to have a larger number of arts industry professionals coming to see the show um, because of that week. But even if you're not in the first week, there are plenty still coming down anyway. So when you say connections with other festivals, I remember last year when you were doing the Bring It On event in Edinburgh, you were talking about, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, there was a bright, there was a fringe uh, like umbrella company mm-hmm. that linked you with some places in Europe as well as some more localised ones in uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. How does that work in terms of, do you, do you book out, so, you, so if I was a performer and I wanted to do a week here and a week in one of the other festivals and a week somewhere else, do I, do I book it all through you or do I book it all through the umbrella company? Um, it's the World Fringe Alliance, um, which is a loose um, affiliation of fringe festivals from Adelaide, Perth, the National Arts Festival of South Africa, Prague, Amsterdam, Brighton, Edinburgh, New York and Hollywood. Um, they comprise... Uh, they're some of the largest arts festivals out there um, in the English-speaking world anyway. Um, I'd include Amsterdam and Prague in those because they're, they're, they're largely, although Amsterdam slightly less so, uh, English-speaking festivals. Um, they all run their own programming. I don't do any of the, the programming. However, if uh, a show does well at Brighton um, in terms of awards or reviews and so on, um, then it stands it in good stead at those other festivals. Um, we, have a, we have award-winning shows, which, uh, or, and also the, the, the artistic director of, say, Amsterdam Fringe, Annika Janssen, comes to Brighton looking for shows to take to Amsterdam. So that's something that, that, that can come as a result of um, doing, the, um, doing Brighton Fringe. Also, I'm on the jury for the National Arts Festival, Festival of South Africa. Um, and so I'm part of the, the judging panels for, for, for that festival, independent of Brighton, Brighton Fringe being an independent um, an open access arts festival, so I don't judge in Brighton. But um, if something does well in South Africa, then they get favourable arrangements coming here. Um, same thing for Amsterdam, where I'm also on the jury there. Um, and uh, we have an award up in Edinburgh too. So it, it's, it's growing. Um, everything comes down to funding, however, which is, that's always the issue. Yeah. And uh, you also do, you do free fringe as well as paid fringe down here. Do you think the paid mo- sorry, the free fringe model works down here as well as it does in, say, Edinburgh, where a lot of performers, especially in comedy, are doing free shows because it works out, you know, they can do the show even if they don't break even? Do you think, based around uh, the, the shape and the layout of the city and where all the venues are and, and how... See, so, for example, I don't, I don't live in Brighton, you don't live in Brighton either, but um, so for me to come down and fly, I basically have to take a day off work, come down a few hours early and, and spend time trying to mm-hmm. get people off the street. I mean, do you think it, it works still for like the same way Edinburgh does, where you kind of immerse yourself in the arts centre, or is it a little bit different in terms of your marketing strategy? Um, Brighton is quite different from Edinburgh in so far as the fact um, in, in so far as it's not taking place during a holiday, uh, it's not in August. It's May, which is a working. It's, it tends to be a working working month, but for the two bank holiday weekends and for families, there's half term in the final week. So 
um, generally, people, pe- generally speaking, people are working. Um, a lot of the audience is local here. Um, about 67% of the audience is local. That is to say, 67% of the audience are probably working during the day as well. Um, so Monday to Friday, during the day, it's quite quiet. The shows tend to be um, evenings and weekends, um, and then bank holiday during the days as well. If you have kids' shows, then it's a bit more flexible than that. So in terms of you going down and flyering, um, it tends to work uh, after work time and at weekends. And there's a... I mean, I've done a bit of research into this, but there's a lot of stringent rules in terms of flyering down here because, correct me if I'm wrong, we are... You're wrong. (laughs) um, (laughs) As... As perform- I'm really worried now. <laughs> As performers, we are subcontracted by the Brighton Fringe to be flyers temporarily during the festival. Is that right? You are entitled to flyer anywhere in Brighton and Hove with a pass. Okay. So with the Brighton Fringe participants' pass, you can do flyering anytime. Not anytime. I think it's up to. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact times are, but I think it may be up to maybe eight o'clock in the evening. Um, you can fly anywhere within the city limits. Um, you have to fly responsibly, obviously. Um, and if you cause problems in terms of dumping things, then that is uh, that that will come back into our bases and probably into yours um, as a result as well. Um, uh, otherwise, yes, you are right. Um, it is it is very very heavily controlled. But with the pass, which is what you pay for when you do your registration. Um, that you, you get to be able to do that um, as part of your registration. So does that only count on the days you're performing or does it count throughout the whole fringe? Anytime. Okay. Anytime that you have a participant's pass. So when you come down to, to Brighton, you go to the participant's hub, which is at the Mesmerist, um, the, the, the Mesmerist pub in the lanes. Um, there's a, there's a, a participant's hub in there. Um, and you can pick up your pass and other information. And going forward, like with the Brighton Fringe, do you want to encourage more free or paid shows? Um, I don't mind. It's not for <laughs> me to. It's not for me to decide what people um, do in terms of uh, paid or not paid for. The Fringe works for different people for different reasons, um, and it's important that there are different ways of entry. People may have a work in progress show that they want to do. They've got zero budget. Um, and so they're they're wanting to to put it out there in front of a in front of an audience. So a free show works for them. If you're doing a show which you want to be um, uh, more able to be sure that you're going to be making a bit more money, then you put make it a paid for show. It's not quite so rigid rigid as it is up in Edinburgh. Um, you could do a free show in this venue, which is Carolina Brunswick. You could do a free show just as much as you could do a paid one. The Laughing Horse productions are a combination of paid and free, rather than just being free as they are in Edinburgh. I remember, yeah, because when I was signing up, I'm in this venue, and when mm. I was signing up to uh, Alex Petty, Laughing Horse, I, I was talking to him a little bit back and forth on email, basically saying, should I do it paid? Should I do it free? Like, what's the... You know what I mean? Because in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. his is all, his pretty much all free. So I didn't quite understand why the structure work down here for a paid show in a in a potentially free venue if that makes sense yeah well it's it's different different economies um 
for different um, different performers. If you have a, a a slightly better worked show, you have a good audience um, already or good following, then a paid for gig might be um, better for you. I my understanding is that, uh, and this could be correct me if I'm wrong. You're there, it's, it costs <laughs> it costs more with Laughing Horse to do a paid for show than it does for a free show. Is that right? I think so. I'm not doing a paid yeah. for show, but I would imagine it would. Yeah, I, I think I think that the, the the fees are slightly higher. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what more you get for that, but uh, th- there there may well be things. I think they sign you into the ticketing system, which is kind of one you have to be on if you're doing a paid show. But yeah. I don't know if you get any additional like PR help or publicity help or any of that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Okay, um, if you in terms of I mean like like I said or like we were talking about before we started, neither of us are live in Brighton. And as a performer, I'm finding it a little bit hard to get into the spirit of it. Like, like so with Edinburgh, you know, the two weeks before, I'm like, oh, are my train sorted? Are my accommodation sorted? You know, where am I going to, where's the nearest Tesco's to my accommodation? You know, all that stuff. Whereas when I'm down here, it's more, you know, what's the latest I can leave from work and get down here and then fly and then do the show and then what, can I get back in time mm-hmm. to sleep for work the next, all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have any, like, advice as... I mean, I know you've run venues before and, and you've been involved in the promoting side. Do you have any advice from what you've seen over the years for people who maybe sort of are going to struggle to come down and do their promotion or, or do their marketing as well as the show? And because I was talking to someone in your office about opportunities for posters around places and there are companies that will do that for you. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you want to do it more yourself, what would be your advice for people who want to do their own marketing? Um, well, it- as it is with everything, you get out of it what you put in. Um, if you're unable to take time off from work before going to see the show, fair enough. Um, that that that's that's the parameters around which you need to work. Um, however, if you're able to take a day off um, or a couple of days off around the show or in advance of or on the day of um, your show, then I would definitely recommend doing it um, to get a, an understanding of the festival um, it's important to be here and to spend some time um, engaging with performers engaging with um, public at specific venues whether it be in the pubs or down at the Spiegel tent or in the Warren um, there there are there are a growing number of very Edinburgh fringe style uh, venues um, within Brighton fringe now and they are there for the taking in terms of audiences. The, the, the audience in Brighton is very adventurous. It's not like Edinburgh in that, that there's a very strong um, big four-centric um, behaviour because it's, it's easy to pick up one brochure which only contains um, 800 shows rather than pick up one which contains 3,500. It's, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, a no-brainer, really. Where, where would those be, sorry? You said, you said there's like Edinburgh-centric kind of venues. Oh, well, the, the Spiegel tent yeah. um, in, in Brighton, down, down on the old steam near the pier, that which has a, a Bos- the Bosco tent, and it has a Spiegel tent and a, a large um, uh, festival bar. And then the Warren, which is just literally 100 yards down the road from the, the um, Carolina Brunswick, just to the north side of St. Peter's Church, it will be a, a venue called the Warren, which will contain two large venues. I think it's a 200-odd-seater and a 70- or 80-seater, again, with a big beer garden attached as well. Um, they're the two of the largest 
programmed venues at the festival. Uh, there are also others, into, including the the Marlborough, um, the, the basement, uh, the um, uh, the Duke Box, and uh, the Old Market, and th- there are, there are plenty more in between. Comedia, of course. Gosh, how can I forget Comedia? <laughs> um, so, and, and if I've forgotten someone else, then I'm, I'll probably. Uh, probably get uh, assaulted um <laughs> then, but all of the laughing horse venues as well the, the mm. temple bar um the um uh, oh goodness it's it's too i had an early morning this morning there are four there are it's four okay. laughing horse venues I'll, including I'll this one yeah. yeah i mean I'm, I'm interested personally as the guy who runs the brighton fringe mm. do you ever get a little bit not upset but maybe a bit frustrated with getting compared to something like edinburgh um not really, no. I I think that it's the sincerest form of flattery, I think. Um, Brighton Fringe is a fringe festival. The original fringe festival is Edinburgh. Um, and the fact that people decide to have their faith in Brighton Fringe um, before and also instead of going to Edinburgh is a great thing. And I think, to my mind, a, a very strong attachment to Edinburgh and a very strong fringe ecosystem it makes it uh, it, it actually much much um it, it's 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 a very good thing I, I i'm extremely excited that there are festivals in buxton oxford henley ludlow uh, bath uh, milton Keynes, bedford you know every town and city seems to have a seems to have a fringe festival that's a very very good thing the thing that frustrates me um is that we in every breath and this coming from london you probably it doesn't doesn't even um cross your cross into your radar um within brighton at least um brighton fringe is constantly compared to brighton festival um which is the equivalent of edinburgh fringe being compared to edinburgh international festival um which is a totally totally different event um but has a much much longer pedigree within the city um and is a great asset for the city don't get me wrong but they're different, different things. It's a, it's a bit like um, comparing a um, a fine dining restaurant with a with something which is maybe a little bit a little bit more for the common people, yeah. which is I suppose what the fringe is. Right. Uh, do you think those have sprung up because people aren't all able to go and you know take part in Edinburgh for you know the, the or not able to travel? So from here, I mean, for me, it's four hours from London. Mm-hmm. So from Brighton, I don't even want to imagine how long it takes to to get up there if you're taking the train let alone about six hours six hours wow okay well it's it will getting across london the one hour um to 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 get to uh to get to london so so do you so do you think the festivals around the country the sort of uh, new blood festival should we say i I mean i know they're not that new but um are they you know springing up because people are seeing a, a, a viable financial reason for getting people to come to that city or getting people in that city to go out and take part in the arts? Or do you think it's more they can't get up to Edinburgh and as a result that it's, it's better to do a localised version? Um, I think you've answered your own question. I think it's a combination of all of those things. I think um, there is a case and a growing one that um, Edinburgh is reaching a level which is potentially unsustainable in terms of um and people have been saying this for years by the way in terms of size and cost um that uh, that something does have to give somewhere um and so um there is always that but um the 
the success of Edinburgh breeds lots and lots of copycats all around the world, 230 um, international fringe festivals um, around the world with, uh, I think there's something like 8 million people go to fringe festivals around the world, um, two, 2 million of which are going to Edinburgh, by the way. But uh, it's so so it's a significant significant amount going to Edinburgh, but mm. elsewhere in the world there's, there is this growing ecosystem, and it's vital. I think in order to revitalise um, young people's um, interest in the arts, I think the Fringe Festival uh, marketplace is, I, I mean, more vital than I can possibly say um, in terms of in this hard world of um, no arts funding um, and getting worse in the coming years, we're going to see an explosion, I think, of fringes because the the genteel environment of of going to something which is comfortably funded, I think those days are are dwindling. So you you mean like... um paid art centres and, and nice venues are maybe getting closed down? Or? Um, I think that's going to be an inevitability. Um, I think that there, there will be always ways of make, making sure that these fest, the, the, these um, permanent venues and, and so on um, can, can continue um, through whatever funding they can find. And I'm sure there will always be some funding um, available, but always is a long, a long time. Um, but the I compare the fringe to the cockroaches of the arts world. Um, when the funding apocalypse happens, um, the cockroaches will always survive. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean even ideas. You know, ideas tap the website. Uh, Closing down. Yeah, and it was it was gutting. It was a lot of RIP. You know, posts going around on Facebook and Twitter yeah. and stuff. And it's uh, it's really sad that something that. You, I mean, perceivably that big that's impacted so many people could just not get any more funding. Yeah, no, it's exactly the exactly the an example of of that. I'm sure there's other 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 things at play in that one, but there, it, it is a good example of of a bad thing. In terms of word of mouth at Brighton, obviously in Edinburgh that is that is just key. Like, I mean, it, uh, when we had Kate Clopstick on, she said uh, it was it was really important. Then the big boys came in. It was money talked, then money shout, and that, then it was money or you don't have a you know any audience and now it's a case of you either have money to bring people in or you have a good show to bring people in and it's kind of like i mean there's less it's not quite like that but it's a bit of that split mm-hmm. in brighton if there's 67% of the audience who are locals would you say that word of mouth is just as or more important down here um the the fact that brighton fringe is very local means that the word of mouth um, works best for the locals um, so local performers tend to get the time the lead in for local um, for the local audiences to, to to see them so if you're going to be coming to do Brighton fringe um, and you're doing you're about to do something like that tonight I think is to come and do some preview gigs to get your name out there in Brighton outside of the fringe festival period so that locals do get to know who you are so that you can get you know, little mini um, showcase gigs, um, open mic spots, that that kind of thing within 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 Brighton. Um, when um, uh, yeah, outside outside of out of outside of fringe time. Um, in terms of getting the word on the street, otherwise it's quite difficult because the runs are quite short. 
Um, Kate Copstick's quite right in, in both of the things she's saying. Um, but in Brighton, you don't have three weeks. Um, you might be doing it in two days. Um, how are you going to get a word on the street, even in a, even in a place like Brighton, which is uh, and a festival like Brighton, which is um, you know a tenth of the size of, of Edinburgh? Um, uh, it's not possible hmm. if you had fifty, fifty, even if you had fifty people. And actually, if you did have fifty people in this audience, that would be considered a massively wonderful success for your first night. Um, the um, uh, but fifty people going out for the following day if you're just doing two days or three days then it, it, it does limit it what is the average numbers of audience for a Brighton Fringe show do you know those um, there isn't really a, a, an easy number to, to state um, because it, there's always an exception to every rule and there's different size venues that the yeah. There isn't really an average size audience in Bright- in Edinburgh either. That the the, the the allegedly it's seven or not nine yeah. or something ridiculous, but it, it's absurd to to have something to say something like that because you've got Pleasance Grand or whatever with yeah. eight or eight hundred odd people, um, and then you've got little tiny little spaces which which might have fewer as well. Generally speaking, I I'd probably say Edinburgh and Brighton audience is probably similar. And I'd say an average audience might be between 20 and 50. No, it's, it's music to my ears to hear you say that. Because mm. if uh, the amount of people that ask that question and get just a simple seven, you know what I mean, like that kind of rubbish answer. And if you know anything about the law of mathematics, that's exactly what happens. You know, like it's like if you took 20 people off the street, there'd be like an average height between them. But if you took everyone in the world, you know, you've got like someone really small, maybe one, one metre high or whatever, and seven metre high, you know, the average is four or whatever it is. Obviously, the two at the extremes are going to mm. ruin the averages. Um, so, because uh, you, because the only reason I asked it was because the way you said, you know, if you've got 50 people in here and this room can hold 60, um, that would be quite a successful first night. Do you, do you think it's a good idea for comedians to have like a, a success based around a number of people in a room or is there like other measures that Brighton Fringe can offer? Well, um, of course, um, it's not just about the audiences. If you have a full house of audiences um, of just general public uh, versus um, uh, no one coming to see your show but um, very influential producers or promoters or journalists um, come and see um, the show instead and enjoy it, then you will have had you, you you may have more of a legacy as a result. If um, Steve Bennett came to see your show and and said it was the best thing he's ever seen in his life, and he writes you a feature in Chortle, um, but there was it was just him and you in the audience, then that's a successful night. Definitely, it's not going to happen. <laughs> just you wait. You never know. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think Steve would ever use that phrase just because. Uh... I think that I think that I like whenever I read his reviews, I think he writes it so you can't get a quote out of it. So I think for him to say <laughs> it's the best thing he's ever seen, it would just be too much of an ego trip for one person to take. Fair especially enough. Especially a comedian. Fair enough. So being such a sm- like a smaller festival than maybe most people are, uh, or some people are used to, mm-hmm. do you think it's worth investing in a PR person? Um, again, it depends on how long you're doing the show for. Um, what your intentions are with that show um, and uh, what your budget is. I would say that if you can afford it, then yes, 
Um, and I wouldn't just say that the PR person should just be doing Brighton. It should be somebody who's helping promote you in, um, in many things that you might already be doing. If you're doing gigs in London as well as Brighton, then you, uh, it might be worthwhile having a PR person anyway. Um, Brighton tends to be, uh, for a lot of people, uh, uh, a few days as part of a tour, um, rather than being the, the final destination uh, of, of, of people's performances. So PR could be forming part of that mix increasingly what I would like I mean if I want to see what, what do I want Brighton Fringe to become in the next 10 years um, it would be for Brighton to be more of a destination festival where people are doing at least a week um, to give it more of a festival feeling um, it's, a, it's disheartening I suppose for someone doing a show at a festival where it doesn't feel like um, everyone's experiencing the same thing one of the golden things about Edinburgh and other festivals maybe perhaps a little bit more like Adelaide or Avignon in France is a bit like that too um, and some of the other uh, international festivals like Prague or Amsterdam or South Africa National Arts Festival um, everyone you're with is there for the duration and you're you're going through something together um, Brighton's quite spread out and with the short runs people are sort of dipping in and out of it so the length which is four weeks is quite notional. Um, so in terms of getting a PR, which is taking me back to the question you asked me, um, any extra external help can be useful because flyering uh, is less... I'm saying this carefully. Uh, flyering is, is less important in Brighton than it is in Edinburgh. Um, for example, if you're doing a show on a Tuesday evening... Um, Places to flyer that are acknowledged, i.e. New Road, which is Fringe City, are less frequented. Um, and people coming, people walking down the street are just walking down the street and they're not necessarily there for Brighton Fringe. Do you think people are planning their trip or their, their evening's entertainment far in advance? Or do you think... Because like in Edinburgh, I mean, I, I get a spreadsheet out and I'm like, bam, 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 these are the things I'm going to. It sounds like if you're, you know, there's a lot of stuff that could come into play. So if you're at work, you've had a bad day or, or there's a deadline that's hit and you leave late and you just don't want to go and see that show. But you were like, oh, I would have gone if I hadn't have had a. So it feels like there's a lot of other variables that you're not even able to control down here. Yeah, um, there are um, a significant amount of people um, taking the Brighton Fringe brochure, putting circles around shows. Um, and deciding to book them. Mm. Um, they may not be the people walking down the street, though. They'll be doing that in the in the comfort of their own home. Right. Um, they may not be uh, influenceable. Um, the decision they're making is in advance. We will have a Brighton Fringe app um, on, on people's phones, so they'll be able to, to do it on their phones, as well as being um, uh, through the brochure or on the website. Um uh, in terms of your uh, the, the length of your run, uh, it, as I've said said before, it's, it's it is difficult to. Um if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, to influence people um, by that one um, uh, medium. As someone who's only done Edinburgh, this is my first Brighton Fringe. Yeah. Flyering seems like it. Well, I don't like flyering in the in the sense of I don't like the process. I don't mind doing it, mm-hmm. but it's a case of a sort of must need to do because everyone else does it. And to me, that automatically feels like I should be finding something else to do. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And to hear that flyering might not because I feel like it might badger people down here more than it would do in Edinburgh where the people who are there locals are aware of August just being a flyering zone in the city centre whereas here it feels like everyone's getting on with their day to day lives and so to stand at a street corner and go I've got a show by the way you know they might have kids they might have a deadline they might be working a night shift you know they, they don't want that Mm. So are there any other m- methods that you could maybe use to, not manipulate, but to, to influence people to come and see a show that don't involve flyering? Um, well, social media, um, uh, the PR side. Uh, I, I would say being a little bit uh, chummy with other similar performers like you, who have uh, perhaps audiences which might be similar to yours so you can cross-promote each other. That's quite a useful way of doing things in, in, in Brighton. Um, different to traditional just handing out flyers in the street, um, going to other particular venues which may be doing similar things to you, including your own venue as well, going downstairs into the bar 
saying there's a show going on upstairs um, is flyering of sorts, but it's more engaging than just handing out a leaflet. Um, because the Warren is just down the road here and the Spiegel tent another half mile further down the road as well, um, there you have your audiences who are coming into those venues specifically for the fringe. So flyering in in the traditional sense can happen and and it's exit flyering outside um, venues as people come out. It's um, uh, doing it as they're going in, queuing up for the box office or whatever. But it's also engaging with people. Um, I have a... Uh, well, well, this year he's, he's back again. There's a, there's a chap called Stuart Lightbody who is a psychological illusionist and a card magician. Um, he goes. He gets his audiences just by doing tricks, close, close, close magic um, and, and so on, and illusion work in pubs, and that's how he sells out. Obviously not everyone can do that sort of thing, but... It's it, it is about engaging people because in a sense, um, as a as a as a spoken word or c- comedy performer, your 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 tool is you, your voice, your your persona, um, and that's what gets them to engage you, uh, engage with you. So if the, if that that process begins and it's bloody hard work, um, it needs to it needs to begin. You know, as early as possible in that in that cycle, and so that's why it's good to come down a few days before, right? And like meet up with actually people. Like, yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I I feel like that can work at most fringe festivals, but I feel like here where it's much more personable. Is that fair to mm-hmm. say? It is. Yeah. Um, I never um, like or recommend just standing on a street corner handing out leaflets the wastage is massive people yeah. i know myself if i happen to pick up a leaflet from someone as they're just standing on the street corner um my interest in that uh is going to be fleeting at best and most often i will take it fold it if it's an a if it's an a5 or just simply put it in my pocket um i don't tend to throw them away straight away but they certainly don't come out of my pocket um if the person is engaged with me and talked to me about their show um, in a way, or they've 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 collared me in a in a nice way, not an annoying way, um, and have entertained me just a little fraction of for a little, little fraction of a second, that's the moment that's that's what stays with me. Is that flyering, or is that or is that something else? That's face to face sales, I suppose. Mm. Um, so, and and that often is what what frightens people too. But it is the most effective, and I've and this is Edinburgh particularly, but I, I ran uh, venues for a long, long time up there. And uh, the the effect of good flyering is stratospheric. Mm. And I'd say the same thing can happen in Brighton, but it's just picking the right places to be able to do it. Mm. And, and almost, I mean, I wouldn't say picking the right people on the street because you can't prejudge people like that. Anyone could be interested in it. But I know what you're saying about the wastage in particular. That always makes me feel really uncomfortable in terms of, the you know, I... Um, I, I did a blog post a while ago trying to help comedians, you know, learn how like what they're looking for if they've never ordered flyers before. So like the quality of the paper, double sided, print sided, all that kind of stuff. And loads of people were like, "But how many should I print?" And I'm like, "How many days are you doing? How many people are in your production? How many? You know, like take it more seriously mm-hmm. than just oh, the, if I order five thousand, I save twenty quid. But you are like going to waste probably a thousand of those. And mm. is it really worth it to save that? You know, you're, you're damaging the environment." 
I mean, in in terms of uh, Brighton's environmental policy, do you do do you do recycling here for fringe performers? Um, we recycle all of the all of the uh, materials that we um, produce, and we recommend that um, performers do the same. We can't control what everyone does. Um, we make sure that everything that we produce is is sustainable. Um, in terms of handing out of flyers um, in the street or getting how many to print, I would say exactly the same thing to them. Um, there's no point having 5,000 flyers if they're all going to stay in a box. Um, you need to plan um, how to hand them out, and saving you 20 quid um, at print um, may actually cost you more if you're going to be uh, spending either time or money employing someone uh, to hand them out at the other end. Are you allowed to employ flyers? Because if you're subcontracted by the Brighton Fringe, does that mean we would have to get a licence for them? Well, whoever's handing out the flyers would need to have the pass. So um, the the people doing the flyering, in most cases, um, are people who are part of the production in some way. And if you've contracted someone um, to do the flyering for you on your behalf, then essentially they become a de facto freelance part of your company. And and you'll give them a give them a flying pass, uh, a, a a participant's pass to be able to do that. What happens if they don't have a pass when they get quit? Like, say, a police officer or whatever questions if they should be flying or not. Um, then they could be liable for an on-the-spot fine um, if they if they're if they're doing that. But most often, um, well, I would say the in every case that I've encountered, they just get told not to do it. Um, and get themselves a uh, and get, go and get themselves a pass from the fringe office. Um, it would be if they're repeat offenders and if they're being very um, obnoxious, then uh, then you're likely to get into trouble. Okay, uh, I know. I was going to just slightly go back a step because I know even I know your point about the group feeling that you get at like other festivals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I've networked a bit with other people who are doing the Brighton Fringe this year, either as their first or uh, you know, their second or third or whatever it would be, and we're, although social media makes it easier for us to message, it feels a bit. We feel a bit detached from each other. Like we can't just meet up because we've all got. We're still all working during the day in the, in the lead up to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also going to comment about uh, local media in Edinburgh. Pretty much every media outlet then focuses on uh, the fringe, mm-hmm. and it's and a bomb could hit and unless there's a show attached to it I feel like they would so you know second guess covering it but here it feels like media outlets are still like they might be more interested in news like it might be a, a good av- avenue to have a news story worthiness to your show mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. than just asking for a review would that be fair to say? Uh, no um, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that the, the Argus covers uh, the Argus is the main newspaper for, for Brighton and Hove um, and they do extensive reviews um, in the in their paper and online. The uh, the Brighton and Hove Independent are one of our partners as well, which is a free sheet, which is weekly. Um, they also do lots of reviews. The latest, the latest, um, latest seven, uh, they're called. They're a weekly weekly magazine, a little bit like the List, I suppose, but a free a free magazine. It's a it's a bit strange. One side is uh, is the listing is a listings magazine, and if you flip it the other way up, it's a property magazine. Right. So it's a, a little bit of a um, 
yeah, one thing pays for the other, and it, plainly it's the property that pay for the rest. Um, and the, the, there are other magazines such as uh, Viva Brighton, uh, XYZ. There are Brighton is a is is a city for um, little publications about um, events and and um, music particularly. So listings are more interesting down here than news stories. Um, of course, you can have news stories, but uh, if it's uh, you know a seagull stole my false, I don't know nose, um, then that's a that's a fun little news story, I suppose. But generally speaking, there are reviewers um, out there um, looking for looking for reviews. Mm. looking for shows to review yeah no I meant just because uh, as another way of maybe getting publicity it might be an interesting avenue to try and have a, a publicity stunt or a news story that could go into of course yeah yeah but the Argus is um, the Argus is famous for its um, very strange uh, what are they called the, the, the billboards that go next to the, the sales outside outside the shops yeah uh, headline type thing headlines yeah yeah, yeah. okay so, you said, so social media is is that taking a bigger part in uh, publicity then for you guys or for audiences or for both? Um, I think Brighton's no different from anywhere else in that respect. Um, it's, uh, I suppose, if there isn't so much of a an on-the-street vibe, there is a virtual vibe in Brighton. Um, and you can be um, getting getting the word out there to a lot of people via... Um, social media there is a danger with social media in that people who look at social media tend to be people who are wanting to um, get stuff out of social media rather than that they want to get information out of social media there's a lot of navel gazing I think that goes on um, within these within these these things and that's Edinburgh as much as it is in Brighton I think so in terms of the community of comedians or the community of performers generally social media is a great way to get in touch with each other in terms of getting in terms of getting in touch with the general public, um, it is patchy, I would say, and I would say that that's the case for Edinburgh as well. Um, but you know, in terms of getting news stories out there to journalists and from journalists, quirky, quirky little messages that might go more viral, then that's the place for it. Something that just says, "Come and see my show. It's great. Yay! Here's a link." Um, isn't really going to make great things, great um, headway, unless it's to your mum. My mum won't come. No. no. Well, <laughs> it's okay. It's you, okay. Yeah. Because um, well, the reason I'm asking is because last year in Edinburgh, they had a different hashtag to normal. They had hashtag unboring, and uh, although we're kind of pushing that quite a bit. And I was wondering if that is something that I mean, does the Brighton Fringe monitor hashtags? Do they encourage people to use certain uh, conversation grouping tools mm-hmm. um, we do I forget what our hashtag is um, <laughs> it, probably BF 2015 okay um, uh, or or something along those lines um, the uh, there is a hashtag Brighton Fringe as well the, uh, the there are obviously plenty of people searching for these for, for those sorts of hashtags um, Brighton comedy no, those 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 keywords as well, but uh, I'm not an expert. I I unfortunately have to admit, but I, I do spend a lot of time tweeting. But I I'm not terribly good at knowing what the hash the right hashtag is. Okay, 
I'll look it up and put yeah, it look in it the up. show notes. I'll look it up and put dear, it in the show dear notes. Dear listener. And, fo- and follow yeah. Julian, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> at Julian Caddy. <laughs> It'll be linked, don't worry. That's right. Um, so, because uh, I work in social media marketing, I should point that out to you now. Um, so for me, it's always interesting how people are, uh, and, and organizations are using different platforms for that. I mean, you said you tweet a lot. Do you favor Twitter then personally or, or with the fringe itself? Um, I don't know if I'm a typical social media user. I don't know, but maybe maybe I am. But uh, the, the way I see um, Twitter over Facebook is I'm not talking to my friends necessarily. I'm talking to... Uh, I have more Twitter followers than I do friends on Facebook, which may not be normal. I don't know, but I, I've got... Know, maybe two, nearly 2,000 Twitter followers or something um, and they are people in the industry or in the media um, more than and in fact a lot more than anything like my family or my friends maybe family and friends maybe following so when I'm talking to I'm making writing things on Twitter it's more of a, a public broadcast um, I find when it comes to Facebook um, it's more of a like personal things. I also do do the public thing too because that might that might be interesting to my you know friends. But um, Facebook has been more personal. However, that said, I'm not terribly choosy um, over and above someone trying to sell me something on either of those things. Um, who I who I um, uh, link up with um, Facebook probably so more so than Twitter. I'll accept. Well, I can't. Ex- I can't. Un- well, I'd have to unfollow them, wouldn't I? No, I'd have to follow them first. This is me going through my mental, uh, my mental map. No, if someone follows me on on Twitter, then that's it. They're following me on Twitter. I could block them if they're obnoxious. That's the way it goes. But um, in terms of making friends on Facebook, I don't tend to accept friends that I don't know. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I'm the same. I've got more followers on Twitter than I have friends on Facebook. Mm. Um, I think it depends on what you're using it for. So if you, if you like for me I'm the same as you. So maybe we're not typical, or we are. We'll never know until we ask enough people. Well, I suppose that the the good thing about social media, in the way that in the same way that the good thing about the fringe is, um, is that you use it the way you need to use it. Um, people may just constantly be using Twitter to talk to their mates, um, and that's great and that's useful for them in that way. Other people. May, may use things in different ways like Southern Rail um, are using Twitter to, to do customer service and others as well so um, best way of doing customer service though Twitter though mm. you just have to say at British Gas you're crap um, uh, you'll probably get a reply from British Gas going oh I'm sorry to hear that you've got a problem it's much more effective than calling them up it's me who has to write those replies. So oh, is it? Please yeah. don't encourage you. Okay. I don't work for British Gas, but I work for, at the moment I work for a certain brand who, yeah, people spend all day writing, you know, your shit to me, and I have to go, well, I know they are, but I can't say that. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of awkward. Fair but enough. I know what you mean. It's better in the terms of you don't have to sit there on the phone waiting for them. And sometimes they ring you back, which is great. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a... That, that, I think in terms of customer service provision, I think Twitter is potentially if it's used properly a potentially a game changer i think mm. um in terms of that we're going off topic a little bit we are a little yeah. bit yeah, yeah i was going to ask if you had any because um, in london there are a lot of uh twitter feeds specifically for like london uh based like pop-ups and events and things like that 
are there any in Brighton that, you know, they don't have like a website or a publication, but they're dedicated to interesting things around the city that people like performers might want to outreach to or audience members might want to look up for, you know, little hot tips and things? Um, well, the best person to talk to about that would be Rosie Blackwell-Sutton, who's our marketing coordinator, okay. who handles all of the social media. Uh, there are undoubtedly uh, those sorts of things. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, if you want to hear the word on the street about what's going on in Brighton Fringe, to follow Brighton Fringe um, or to follow Julian Caddy, um, uh, mainly... For 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 the what you know the, the 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 main messages that are going out there, and I tend to retweet if someone asks me to. Um, but uh, yeah, as I said earlier, don't be annoying. <laughs> um, do you do you get a lot of time to go and see shows during the fringe yourself? Um, I try and make a point to see as much as I possibly can during the fringe. Um, it comes around once a year, and uh, it's something that you spend your whole life working towards and if i was to lock myself up in a in a in a in a little room and not not be seeing not be seeing anything i think it would be a little bit depressing yeah no i just i just imagine it'd be really hard for you because there's more there's more to do during that month than the rest of the year or potentially because you've got loads of you know stuff being thrown at you yeah i suppose so i mean there's a lot more media work that i need to do during the fringe time a lot of entertainment um of of um our commercial partners and uh, funding partners family coming down friends coming down um just generally making my showing my face around the place um but otherwise um it's an opportunity to enjoy it i i I need to do something i enjoy and if the if the um if the thing i do that that i most enjoy which is experiencing and um uh enjoying uh watching live performance isn't available then um i'd probably stop fair enough yeah um and in terms of uh, your narrative on your twitter feed or not your twitter feed the brighton fringe twitter feed does that come down to uh like who you you guys have seen internally and you want to promote or is it like a structured we need to give equal say to every single show that's on um brighton fringe doesn't retweet uh, as a policy, um, a show just because it's on. Right. Um, I might, um, but it would depend. But if it's something specific about a show that's interesting, if a show has got a special offer tonight, um, if there are there's in- there is interesting information about that show that could be interesting, rather than more than just it just being on, then we can probably retweet it. Um, depending on circumstances. I have to put caveats into everything I say, but um, generally speaking, uh, promoting one show over the other is not something we can do. Um, But saying, um, uh, uh, Buddhism for cats. Buddhism and cats. Buddhism (laughs) and cats um, has uh, just won a special award. Um, <laughs> is a, a nice thing to say. Yes. Um, or Buddhi- Buddhism and cats um, is on uh, is on at the Carolina Brunswick, and uh, is it a free show? It's a free show. Okay, so it's 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 now a, a paid for show because it's so successful. Um, uh, you know, I'm using these as quotes on the poster, exactly, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> like you would just say, Julian Caddy, 
Buddhism in Cats has won an award. It won't say what award. That's right. It won't just have that you, you plugged just it. Just as I said that. Due to the success of Buddhism in Cats, <laughs> um, it, uh, it having sold out its free show, it's now doing a performances for £20. And it very well may do if Steve Bennett comes down and says it's the best show he's ever, best seen. Show he's ever seen. Exactly. I think that would definitely sell out some stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Follow Brighton Fringe and look out for those updates about my show. And follow Julian Caddy. You said the future of the Fringe, you want more people to stay here or be around Brighton for a longer period of time. What, in the next sort of maybe short term, one, two years, but five, six years... Are you planning on trying to initiate to, to make that possible? Um, this all comes down to money. But um, I want Brighton Fringe to be much more visible um, in the public consciousness, um, visible in terms of physical stuff happening. Um, I, I want a great big parade, if I can, at the beginning of the festival, in the night time. Uh, I want a big fireworks display... I want nighttime fringe city, like an equivalent of the Royal Mile, but at night. Um, I want plenty of just noise around it, which means people will be, if we're doing all of that, then the participants are going to want to be part of it. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, if, if, I'm, if the fringe is this exciting place to be, um, regardless of it being holiday time or not, people are going to go, no, that's great. That's really important. Um, this is this is this is making a big statement. Um, it's uh, it's only a week of my life, um, but it's going to be one which um, is going to be able to change um, change my career. Mm. And if I'm not going to be doing Edinburgh, then and it's going to be Edinburgh, and it's going to be Brighton instead. Then it's an investment of my money too. Sort of a build it and they'll come kind of thing. I think so. I mean, that's what a fringe is, really. I mean, I I. Every year when I was running my venues in Edinburgh, it is a suck it and see. You go, oh, shall I do Edinburgh College of Art this year with my six theatres? Um, okay, let's do it. And then you programme it. Hmm. Uh, and so it, it, if, if, if you make this thing available and you make enough noise about it, then, uh, then, it, um, uh, then, yeah, if you work at it, obviously. It's not quite if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it and adequately promote it. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then, then, then they will come. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, would you would you ever do a sponsored like? So, um, there are awards in Edinburgh that's like sponsored by certain things. Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival, for example, is sponsored obviously by Dave. Would you ever do a sponsorship deal then to try and keep the funding going, or is it? Do you want to keep it as independent as or free from that as possible? Um, no, we we utterly rely on sponsorship. Okay, um, we've got significant partnership with Citroen Cars um, if you look through the brochure you'll see the partners page contains lots and lots and lots of logos um, over half of our income needs to be from advertising and sponsorship um, as a central organisation um, for the, the registration fees um, cover barely a third of the income that we require so with that in mind we are utterly um, reliant on that. We get very little um, public funding. We get the, basically £10,000 from the council each year to support what we do, which is very well, um, very gratefully received, but it doesn't go anywhere close to um, running our organisation 
people so that covering the overhead so they're off how do you I mean, just how do you pick the sponsors then because obviously you've got to make sure they represent the the core values of the festival and what it's doing and uh, I mean Citroen for example are, are a multinational corporation do you ever take localized funding or, or local sponsorships what's the process um, for that well it if I'm honest, you get what you can. Um, we don't we don't um, get involved in any things like cigarettes or cigarette papers um, and that sort of thing. If a, the car company wants to support us, then um, we don't just say car company support us. We will want it to be something which is a bit more creative. Um, we have Grolsch, for example, the beer doing. Um, and a uh, visual arts installation in Fringe City. Um, so that's an interesting interesting thing. Citroen cars are doing a, a percussion show inside and outside the cars. So there's a, there's a, there's a duo called Bang On who were semi-finalists, I think, in um, Britain's Got Talent a few years ago. They, uh, they're, they're doing a, a percussion show inside and outside the new, their, their new Citroen Cactus car. Um, so it's it's something which is lending itself to performance rather than just being shoving a logo on something and saying yeah here it is um, that doesn't really work for me I, I, I think that we we should be as creative with our partnerships as we are with our artists no that makes perfect sense that's yeah. awesome and if you had one bit of advice for performers who maybe so I mean okay let's let's I'm going to split it if you had one bit of advice for local performers who are doing the Brighton Fringe and one advice for people who are maybe coming from overseas or coming from around the country taking part in the Brighton Fringe, what would that be that they should definitely do to either make their show a success or to improve the chances of getting local coverage or, or audiences coming in? Um, start as early as possible, I would say. Um, get to know the people that you're wanting to contact in a non-creepy, non-stalky <laughs> kind of way. Um, the main thing is to engage with with the people within Brighton, if you possibly can, um, and get your story out there as soon as you possibly can. Uh, little preview pieces work quite nicely, and there are plenty of local media who are doing those sorts of things. And there is a media list available on the Brighton Fringe website and by contacting the, the Brighton Fringe team. So make use of that list and do your homework about who you need to talk to because it's no good just turning up that day um, with 100 flyers and say, right, well, quickly, I've got to you know, get downstairs and I've got to get people who are just coming for a pint to come see my show. Um, you'll, you're not, not going to get anywhere. So... In the same way as you treat anything you're serious about, you need to do proper planning. Treat it like a business. That's what I say, say to people. Treat your show like a business. Um, it's something that you don't want to just do once. You want to be able to be in business for your career, for your life. So if you are that serious about your business and about your life, then you should be um, investing of yourself. Um, not necessarily of your money. It might, might not necessarily cost physical money but it, 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 is, it does take time um, emotional investment as much as um, financial that was Julian 
I had a lot of fun talking to him. He's a really knowledgeable guy about fringe festivals, um, the state of the arts world in general, and it just has a really well-rounded view on on the circuit and the audiences that you're going to get down here. And it was really fun to go into detail with that because, like I said in the pod, as someone who doesn't live in Brighton and doesn't understand the ecosystem down here, it was great to sort of just get someone else who gets it from that perspective. He doesn't live in London, so he doesn't live in Brighton, he lives in London. So it was great for him to be able to understand what I mean by uh, not feeling part of that ecosystem and that community that you maybe get in a festival like Edinburgh. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, um, like I said, I'm doing a show. It's at the Carolina Brunswick. It's at 7.45. It's on the 5th. 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 24th, 25th, 26th and 27th of May in the Brighton Fringe. So if you want to come to that, that'd be amazing. It's completely free, as I think I've said about four times, um, or pay what you want on the way out. Um, It's called Buddhism and Cats. If you want to support me, come on down, bring a few friends. That'd be amazing and it would really help me out because I could be spending this time flyering or not flyering, as he said, might not be the best method of doing it. But I am not. I am instead, I'm editing a podcast for everyone. If you can't support me that way or support the show that way or you want to support me in another way, please share the link to the podcast with someone else. This could either be the iTunes link, the Stitcher link or the direct link to the streaming option on the website, which you can find at simoncane.co.uk forward slash ask the industry podcast. If you really love this and you would like to support the show in a more monetary way, you can go to the website, again, simoncain.co.uk, and there is a PayPal button very prominently positioned at the top of the page as well as on all of the pages for the podcast. So if you would like to donate X amount of money to help me go keep making these, put a, put a value on what you thought this podcast and all the other ones you've listened to are worth. You know, one, two, three, four, five pound a podcast times by the number of podcasts you've listened to and enjoyed, fire that money over to me. It really helps me out. For example, I'm down here in Brighton for the afternoon, literally just podcasting with Julian and uh, Jill Edwards, who will be out later on in the month. Uh, Finally, you can join the Facebook group, which is called RC Industry Podcast. So just search for that in there. Uh, In there, I announce, you know, people who are coming on the show uh, and who are... Uh, the new guests that are like signing up and stuff. Recently, we had Ian Coyle, who is the commissioning editor for UK TV and Dave sign up, which means we now have the commissioning editor for the BBC, UK TV, Dave, as well as I'm talking to another one that I don't want to talk about just yet. But uh, those will all be out later on in the year. Very excited about that. If you join up, you'll get exclusive information about that. Also, thank you so much for the support. I know I say this all the time, but I always want to make it very clear that I really appreciate it. We managed to get to number two in the business chart and number 27 in the careers chart. I moved us out of comedy because it felt more right for us to be in the business and careers chart because that's what this podcast is about. And also it means I'm not competing with every BBC podcast out there that just dominates the top 100 we're in and out of the top 100 at the moment on those two charts, and I, I can't thank you enough. It's, it's down to you. I have no media budget and no marketing budget for this. So thank you for the support. 
thank you for the kind words please keep sharing please keep talking about it please keep uh, joining up to the community and taking part in the conversations and please keep donating really really appreciate everything you're doing if you want to find me i'm on twitter at this made me cool thank you very much for listening i will see you in about a week and a half's time bye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.